We started a second mini-series last few weeks over resolving to obey and trust God. Regardless of what other people say or do, or whatever laws may be passed, and we took a look at the three Hebrew men who, when told that they were to bow down and worship the golden idol, they refused because that would be dishonoring to God and a violation of his commands. We also saw how a law was passed to, to prohibit prayer to anyone other than to the king, and David continued his prayer life. And each of these suffered consequences, though God protected them. And then we took a look at how the disciples continued to teach and preach in Jerusalem, even though that they were strictly informed not to, and how they re did so anyway, and they told them, are we to obey God rather than men? And so they were flogged, and when leaving that, they rejoice, having been considered worthy to suffer for Jesus. Resolving to do something is important because we have a tendency to make the rules just barely to fit the situation if we decide to do that ahead of time. One of the examples I give is if you don't decide the type of person you want to marry, whoever you end up with, you decide that that person's good enough. But if you've made a commitment that this is the qualities of a person that I want, then you say, that's who I'm going to look for. Sometimes it is easier when things are laid out very clearly. You are to bow down and worship or suffer the consequence. And we see, well, no, I'm not going to do that. There is a saying that we have kind of a proverb in America that says, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Oftentimes we can take on certain crises and hold on, but it's the very simple thing that finally causes us to be defeated. In this situation, we're going to take a look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the cup holder of the king, a Jew. The circumstance and the context is, is that Judah had been overrun by the Babylonians and many of the best and brightest of the Jews were sent in exile to Babylon. And then over a course of time, the Medo-Persian Empire and then the Persian Empire came into it. And Nehemiah, as a cup holder to the king, was in a very uh, unique position of confidence and Nehemiah received a report that Jerusalem was in terrible shape. It was the walls and the gates were semi-destroyed and the people were, were suffering. And because of that report, he was, the Bible doesn't use this word, but depressed. He was down for it. And he prayed uh, as the Torah had explained that when Israel had sinned if the people turned and sought God that he would heal them and restore the land. And so that's what Nehemiah began to do to petition God to forgive 
him and the people for their sins and to restore the land. And one day at his job as a cupbearer, now as a cupbearer to the king, you're supposed to be on the up. You're supposed to be positive. Uh, and this day he wasn't. He was, his countenance was downcast because of his concern for his people. And the king asked him what was going on and, and revealed to him the condition of Jerusalem and, and, and his concern for it. And the king said, well, what do you want me to do about it? He says, I'd like to go there and restore it. And the king says, okay, how long is it going to take? And then Nehemiah doesn't stop there. You know, most of us said, okay, thanks, I'm, I'm taking mine. He goes, you know, I need a pass to go from province to province so they don't stop me. Okay. And, you know, and, and I need a credit card. I need you to authorize the expenditure of materials that I need to do what I need to do. And the king said, okay. See, Nehemiah didn't just say, okay, I'm going to go. He said, what is it that the people need? What is it that I can do? And he took, I won't say advantage, but he certainly said, I'm going to take the opportunity to get from the king what I can so that I can minister. And oftentimes we see a need in ministry. We say, I need to do that. I need to get involved. And sometimes we are satisfied with the first step. Nehemiah doesn't, it's not just sufficient that he's going to go. I need I need to be able to get there safely, and I need the materials to do what it is that I feel called to do. And so, so many times you'll hear people who, they want to be a foreign missionary, they want to be this or that, but they haven't thought it through. They haven't said, how is it that I accomplish what it is I want to do? But Nehemiah does. He says, these are the things I need, and this is what I'm going to do. So Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah because he knows of the condition of the people and the opposition, he decides to, to do a uh, reconnoiter. He, he reconnaissances the walls, but he does so at night. And he sees what the problems are. And, what, and, and he's, he comes to this, and, and Nehemiah says, Then I said to them, you see that the situation we are in in Jerusalem is desolate and the gates are burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. And I told them how the hand of God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words, which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. But I want you to notice that Nehemiah knows that he can't accomplish this by himself. But he tells the people, this is what we need to do. That the, the situation is bad. It's desolate. And we need to rebuild the walls because as long as the walls are down, the people are not going to be safe. They can build their houses. But if you build a house on an unprotected city, it will be raided time after time. So he says, we need to protect the people. And they determined we're going to agree to do not only work, but a good work. And oftentimes in our ministry, we cannot accomplish it by ourselves. We need somebody else to assist us and to see that it is a good work, not just a work. It's 
good work. Well, when Sanballat the Horite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Gershom the Arab heard it, they mocked us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? You are rebuilding, rebelling against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven will give us success. So I want you to notice something. Ministry just doesn't happen unopposed. And one of the most difficult things for people to, in ministry to do is to counter opposition. Now, it's important to know where the comp opposition comes from. If my wife says, you know, you're a terrible preacher. That's, fortunately, uh, she, that would cut me to quick and I go, maybe I'm not supposed to do what I feel led to do. But maybe if people who never liked me said, you know, you're a terrible preacher. Maybe I don't need to listen to them. Or maybe what I do is say, okay, well, what can I do to make myself better? And then maybe I take some of their constructive criticism to try to improve. But there are people who just don't want you to do what you, what you feel called to do. Either because they oppose you because they think we Christians are just weird and crazy and shouldn't preach. Or if you're effective and all of a sudden now you need to follow what Jesus did. And they want you to stay comfortable in your seat because they want to be comfortable in the seat. They don't want to challenge the status quo. So there will be opposition. But notice, he answered them and said, the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. Nehemiah takes the gloves off. He goes, the God of heaven is going to give me success. It's not my brilliance or my ability or these people who I've got to do a good work. It's no, God will give us success. If God called you to do ministry, then God is going to call you to do it successfully. But he says, okay, I get it. You're the opposition. But when we're done, you won't be able to claim any credit for it. And there will never be a time when we're accomplished that we'll say, as we oftentimes do when we do a building program, and all of a sudden this room is dedicated to some little old lady who gave some money and this pew is whatever. When we do whatever, they're saying, you're never going to have any markings on these walls or gates because you were in opposition. A little further along, it says, Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. And he spoke in the presence of the brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they... Revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones. 
So now they're, they, it's heated up. They're going, okay, even if you try, you're not going to be able to do it. You can't accomplish what it is. Your, your work is too hard for you. It's too difficult. You can't accomplish it. And one of the things that many people who are wanting to do ministry for the Lord often will be told, well, you can't do it. You, it's not something that you can. Now, I'll give you kind of an example. Um, not in ministry. Since the time I was seven, I wanted to be a lawyer. Now, I didn't come from a rich family. I didn't even come from a really a middle class family. We didn't have money. But I always wanted to be a lawyer. And my mother said, well, you know, maybe you should, you know, take drafting classes because, you know, whatever. I'm going, mom, have you ever seen me write? I can't draw a straight lane. You know, how? And this is before computer CADs. And so, you know, I was out the And I, no, I wanted to, I want to be a lawyer. Okay. Well, at a very young age, I told her that I wanted to get married. And she looked at me and her first response was, I thought you wanted to be a lawyer. Which is the first time she ever said, because she, she thought, we couldn't, I couldn't accomplish this. And, I, and my, my response to her was, I'm going to be. I just told you I'm getting married. But so when people do things kind of out of the norm or whatever, they, you can't accomplish that. We don't have the money for you to go to law school. You don't have whatever it takes to be that ministry that you want to do. So you will find more people who will tell you you can't do it than you can. Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was near him and said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone walls down. So now they're even being more ridiculed. They're being mocked. It's, oh, even if they accomplish it, even if they build the walls, it'll be so weak, it'll be, that if it, the, a lightweight fox jumped on it, it would crumble down. So, you know, it, you may appear to have success, but it's not real success. It's illusionary because it'll all just come crumbling down. Notice Nehemiah's response. Hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give it them up under in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity. And let not their sin be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized the building. So, Nehemiah's response to this criticism isn't, oh yeah, I'll prove you right. It's, he seeks in prayer God's provision. He seeks two things. And one of the things you should always seek, God's divine intervention and God's divine inspiration. He's going, God, we have opposition. They're mighty, they're powerful. You take care of them. Help me figure out what to do. So, notice in this opposition, and in this prayer, Daniel, I mean, what Nehemiah decides to do. But I want you to notice the people have become demoralized. You need to understand that when you do ministry, 
criticism has its effect on the people. Criticism all too often demoralizes people. People who used to be in the pews are no longer there because somebody said something to them that hurt their feelings. Doesn't matter how much God loved them. It's, oh, that terrible person. So rather than even find another church, they just don't go to church at all. Or because you sought your own desires rather than the Lord's and it didn't fashion out, oh, well, God doesn't do what God says and therefore I'm not going to worship him. Demoralization has its impact. Like I said, it is the straw that breaks the camel's back. And Nehemiah understands this. The people are demoralized. God, come to their aid. Give us something. So notice what Nehemiah does. So oftentimes, people, well, we have opposition. They don't want us to build it. They say we can't do it effectively anyway, and the people are demoralized. So we'll just give up. We'll quit. Not when you're doing God's good work. So we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Daniel got divine intervention and divine inspiration, and he had the people no longer demoralized, but having a mind to work. Oh, that our churches today had a mind to work. What we have a mind to do now is to have the pastor and the staff work, and we observe it, because they're the professional. Somebody needs to have a hospital visit, we'll call the pastor. Well, why don't you go? There's a need for a Sunday school class for children. Raise your hand. Having a mind to work as opposed to a mind to sit in. Because I know this, that you will work for God, you don't work alone. And I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about there is a connection and a presence of when you're working for God, that he's with you in a unique way that of no other. Oh, yeah, you can worship, and that's wonderful, and there is a presence there, and I don't want to discount that. But if the only connection you've ever felt to God is praising him and not working for him, you've missed out on his presence. Have a mind to work. And again, we have somebody at the end of this message who a lot of people didn't think could work out. But this is not a democracy when it comes to God's ministry. God calls who he calls, when he calls. And you have no impact on that call. As a matter of fact, sometimes democracy doesn't work so well. All you got to do is take a look at the spies who checked out the land and, and the majority said, you know, we can't do it. 
There's 10 people who said, you know, they're too big, we're too small, we can't do it. There are two guys that said, our God can. Had a terrible business meeting because they got voted down. So just because somebody says you can't do it, that's it. Even if you say you can't do it, there is a plethora of, experience, of, of examples in the scriptures. Moses, I can't talk. Then when he goes to Pharaoh, you can't shut him up. Aaron never gets a chance to say anything. Abraham's too old. Now he has a ton of kids all over him. Once you get past you can't do it, and you get past others can't do it, and you say God has called me to do it, then guess what? Do it. Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashadites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, and the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. You see, people don't like to be wrong. They said you couldn't do it. And now you're proving them wrong. Well, they said it, was, it wasn't going to be worthy because the fox could knock it down. Well, now it's coming to fruition. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. So now it's gone from opposition as way of words to opposition in the way of arms, that they're planning to attack Jerusalem. You see, the walls aren't ready to be built high enough to protect the city. It's at a vulnerable spot. But again, Nehemiah does what Nehemiah has always done and what we should do. But we pray to our God. Because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. You see, again, Nehemiah prays for divine intervention and divine inspiration. He says, so we prayed to God to protect us and we decided to take action. We set up a guard. It'll go over and over. So basically what they do is they have some people having arms and some people working and they go back and they come they try different ways to get the work accomplished of the work because they understand that the risk is real, that they want, because of their anger, to, de to destroy them. But they're not going to stop the good work of God. So they take action to defend themselves as we ought to. We don't quit because there's opposition. We seek God's help. We pray. And we work. And we work. And we pray. All too often, it seems to be one or the other. I'm reminded of a saying of Martin Luther, which is the exact opposite of what we do. Martin Luther is attributed of saying, I have a whole lot to do today. I have so much to do, I don't know if I can accomplish it all. As a matter of fact, I have so much to do, it will take me five hours to, in prayer 
to accomplish it. Most of us think, I have so much to do today, if I get five seconds of prayer in, it'll be okay. It'd be amazing how much we can accomplish in prayer with God. And in prayer with God doesn't mean we give him our orders. We talk to him and he to us. And he inspires us and instructs us and allows us to do the things that we need to do. There have been times I have thought and thought and thought, what is it we should do? I have no answer. And I finally go, okay, I don't, I don't know what to do. Maybe God, you have some ideas. And amazingly enough, God has some ideas. Which is beyond all that we can think or imagine. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. So not only does Daniel, I keep calling him Daniel, no matter that Nehemiah prays and Nehemiah takes action, he also understands that he needs to encourage the people. Encouraging the people. So he says, we prayed, we do, we go. And the people were encouraged. And the people prepared. And they did it because, and he gave them a number of reasons. To do it because it's a good work for God. Do it for your brother and your sister and your parents. Protect them. He gave them a number of reasons to take action in protection. And amazingly, in verse 15, so the wall was completed on the 25th of the month of Ulu in 52 days. I want, we read the scriptures quickly when they had opposition from day one to day 52. But they continued on to pray and to work and have a mind to work. And when those in opposition said you could never accomplish it, it got accomplished in less than two months. What is it that could be accomplished if you decided to have a mind to work in ministry with God? Amazing what can be accomplished in a short time. Now that short time might be your entire life. But when you take at the look of the prospect of who God is, your lifetime is just a blink. He accomplished it. Regardless of the opposition, regardless of being demoralized, regardless. And so, my encouragement, is to resolve to do the good work. And that when you are criticized and mocked and ridiculed, you just say, then ask your advice to begin with. Then ask your permission to begin with. Am I to obey you or God? 
God called me to do this ministry. And I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to pray and I'm going to do, I'm going to take action. We have another little thing. The pathway to hell is paved with good intentions. There are so many Christians who have had great intentions to do great things. Maybe if we just started out doing small things intentionally, it might amaze you what God can do. You may think you're insignificant, but God has called you. He's made you his child. But he withhold you any good thing, and that includes your good ministry. Have a mind to work. Don't let those in opposition to defer, deter you or demoralize you. But put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Because that's what he's called you to do. And with his help, you will accomplish it. And all God's people said.